Welcome to episode 161 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Last week I explained that I'd, uh, I'd bought a Canon PowerShot G10 on October 17th, the day that it was uh, put on sale here in Japan. And um, I, I basically, you know, been playing around with the camera for a few weeks now. Still very happy with it. Um, but you know, last week uh, I finished preparing for for the podcast. It was a bit long, so I decided to split it into two parts. And here we are with the second part today. Um, basically, you know, last week we looked at the camera itself, and today we're going to start and look at some images that I've shot with the G10 over the first few days with the camera. I'm not going to upload the images um, to my online gallery, uh, so you know we won't be calling out numbers and having the opportunity to look at them, you know, look them up there as we normally do. But um, I will include the images, a small version of the image uh, in the enhanced podcast, and I'll also, um, you know, I'll drop them into the MP3 file if that's what you listen to as well. But you know, basically. Um, I, I think probably the easiest way, because there are a lot, if, if you're not listening to the Enhanced Podcast, that is, the easiest way to look at them, and even if you can, you know, if you're at a computer, um, I would take a look at the PDF file that I released last week, as uh, that was episode 160.1, and basically, um, you know, you can uh, open that up, and it will, if you don't stop it, it'll try to go to a full screen and then it'll go through a slideshow. It's basically just an export from um, Lightroom. But you know, the, if you stop it, you can read the, the you know the titles and things as well. And uh, you know, basically, just take a look at the images in slightly better or slightly higher resolution than normal. Um, also, though, I've zipped up the um, all of the full-size images that we're going to look at today. You know, all of the images that we'll look at today. I've zipped up the image, um, I think there's 20 in total, and just put them into it. I think it's, a, it's about 88 megabytes, the file, um, but I'm going to link that to a post that I'll put into the forum, and you'll be able to download the, the uh, zip from there. And basically, that will be, you know, that will enable you to open them up in your, you know, on your computer and sort of just view them at full size. And I think that's probably the only way that you'll really be able to um, appreciate uh, you know the, the sort of the noise levels with some of the higher ISOs, and uh, you know, and also just really appreciate the you know the quality of the images. Um, and you know, I'm I'm not too worried this time about sort of intellectual property as much. They're they're, they're good snapshots, um, but they're you know they're not particularly uh, in any, by any means uh, fine art photography. So uh, you know, I'm I'm not too worried about putting these out there full size. Uh, but please do, uh, you know, make sure that you, you don't sort of pass these images around without letting people know where they came from. So anyway, you know, as I say, there'll be a, a link in the uh, show notes to a, a forum post, and that will uh, that will have the, the zip file there for you to download and take a look at if you want to, to do so. So uh, let's jump right into it and continue with the second part of this uh, two-part episode on the PowerShot G10. The first image that I wanted to look at 
is kind of as a link between the uh, the following examples and the pictures of the G10 itself that we looked at last week. And this is one that I shot of my 1DS with a couple of lenses after I'd done some shooting of the, uh, the G10. The reason that I wanted to include this is because I thought it was a pretty uh, cool... Well, I don't know, I wasn't really just... just wasn't expecting it, um, but I could simply take the Speedlight Transmitter STE2 off the 1DS uh, that I've been using to, to shoot the images of the G10 and just drop it straight into the flash shoe of the G10 to fire my Speedlights that I was using to shoot with. Uh, you know, it had worked like a dream. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't check to see if this was supported or anything, but I, was, I just had to switch them around. And um, I was basically going to just shoot a few images for that uh, the little banner that we have at the top of the the gallery side of the martinbaileyphotography.com website, where uh, you know it sort of cycles through randomly cycles through a bunch of images of uh, of kit that both myself and uh, listeners have uh, donated. And um, basically, I just thought, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot a few of these images while I've got the lights set up and everything in the background there. And when I came to switch cameras, I thought, uh, I wonder, you know, what I'll do about lighting here, because it was getting pretty dark. And then I just thought, well, you know, it's all set up. Why don't you just try the STE2 on the G10? And like I say, it literally just worked. And, um, you know, it saved me a lot of messing around. Didn't have to figure out how to light anything else. Um, so just, uh, you know, shot this one and then um, went, went on to shoot a few of the lenses as well, because uh, there's this a little bit of new glass there. Uh, which we'll get into in a in a, a near future episode. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time talking about each of these images today, though, as you know there is a lot to get through. There's some twenty uh, twenty after this, no, nineteen after this, twenty in total. Um, so rather, you know, I'll just touch on the main points as we walk through them, and maybe just uh, you know some of the images will only be up on the on your iPod or in iTunes for a few seconds. But you know, it's, uh, like I say, the PDFs there if you want to take a look at them at your own pace. Um, so the first two sort of real example shots uh, that that I uh, I you know I, I wanted to get into are that you know these first two images that I shot through one of the windows at my day job office, and you know both were handheld, but um, I was resting on the window ledge, sort of you know lent lent over and rested on the window ledge with my uh, forearms firmly down on there. So I was able to handhold and uh, this first one for one second at uh, ISO 100. And basically, uh, you know, obviously the, the image stabilization that's built into the G10 probably worked as well. Um, and obviously, though, you know, although the scene is dark, there's really uh, no, no noise to speak of um, because I was at uh, ISO 100. For the following shot, I raised the ISO to 400, and you can see more grain, but still very, very usable. Earlier compact digital cameras would have uh, been much worse than this, so Canon are definitely improving, and when you consider that they've crammed almost 15 megapixels onto the sensor of the G10, this is pretty good. By the way, I have uh, done a little bit of minimal rotation uh, on the image um, and then the obvious crop that uh, comes with that uh, because the, the shots uh, were not aligned. As I said, I was, I was um, shooting these handheld, so they weren't quite aligned. Um, so there is a, a slight discrepancy in the size of the images. 
But um, you know, basically, they're, these these are what uh, came out of the camera. So next, let's look at what I'm going I'm to call an environmental portrait of the guy who's been cutting my hair for the last eight years, Chojiro Ishioka. He's uh, he's the the local barber, and here we have him outside his shop. I was actually testing both the G10 and a new lens. Uh, like I say, I'll share that with you soon. And I have some shots with this new lens uh, from the 1DS Mark III too. And I considered adding them, here, adding them here for comparison, but it simply wouldn't be fair, so I decided against this. Note that uh, despite the fact that I'm shooting with an aperture of f2.8 on the G10 for this shot, almost everything in the scene is in focus. As you zoom away from the wider end of the lens, the aperture closes down, and so you get similar results. You know, the, the depth of field obviously gets, uh, gets deeper and deeper there. So, you know, getting a lot of bokeh when uh, focusing on things that are sort of normal, you know, a few from a few meters away is really just not possible. I should note that uh, you can get some bokeh when you're shooting macros, and the macro mode actually enables you to focus on things as close as one centimeter from the tip of the lens, which might be fun to play with at some point. Anyway, I have to admit... Um, I'm not overly happily happy with this image. It's it's a snapshot, um, and you know, not one that I would normally class as a portrait. But you know, if it was all I could shoot, it would be nice to have the option to to at least shoot a, a photograph. And I think that you know, this is what the the G10 is all about. Um, you know, I'm I'm not really imagining that I'm going to be out there doing fine artwork with this. I think it it would be possible to do so if you're um, shooting landscapes because you know you're going to want a lot of uh, depth of field then and you know i think it definitely would help hold up to that um and, you know but for all of the stuff that i shoot it's not really going to be the camera um but then if i'm out shooting um you know seriously shooting then i'm going to have the 1ds with me or you know if i had an, any other S, uh, digital slr that would be the camera i had with me so this is really a, like a snapshot sort of camera drop it in the bag and and shoot stuff when it catches your eye and uh, you know so I'm I'm still enjoying that I've I've been sort of whipping it out a few times on the way uh, into the office for the day job and you know just, just keep it in the bag um got got a a few images of a a thunderstorm this evening uh, just you know shortly before leaving so you know it's it's definitely um you know playing the the part that I wanted it to Next, we have three shots of the Mizuko statues at the Daienji Temple uh, with the striking orange hats that we've looked at before. Uh, the first two were shot at f4.5 for one hundredth of a second at ISO 200, and the third at one eightieth of a second, and that was again at ISO 200. I'm just going to, you know, as we talk, I'm going to just uh, flick through these on the Enhanced Podcast. Nothing to write home about, um, but you know these will hopefully give you some idea of the sharpness of the images uh, that the the G10 is pumping out, and a little bit of a feel for the the bokeh of subjects uh, in the close foreground here in the third one. If you zoom in in the PDF, you can check out the image quality pretty well, but also, like I say, the, you know the the download of the full size will probably help as well. Next, there are two shots of the Buddha statue that uh, people stick the gold leaf on into the places they have they have ailments. 
And uh, you know, this will hopefully show how well the, the G10 deals with highlights in the gold. There's a little bit of bokeh in the background here too, uh, because the statue was relatively close. But once again, I'm, I'm forced to use a relatively small aperture here because I'm zooming in some. Next, we have an image of two stone statues, again with orange hats. These, uh, these were shot uh, at ISO 1600. Now, of course, the, the stone is speckled anyway, uh, so it kind, of, uh, it kind of helps to hide the grain. Um, but there, I think there really are some areas that the grain doesn't stand out that much. We can see a fair amount of grain in the dark of the neck in the uh, the foremost statue, though. And again, you know, in the the dark along the far left side of the image, but it's not too bad at all for ISO sixteen hundred. Um, you know, we've got another example shortly as well in which it is more prominent. It, um, you know, I, I I would imagine for this one though, um, you could use a little bit of artistic license and even say that the grain added to this image. Um, you know, I know that there are people, and, and I've done it myself, uh, that you know you can add grain to images for effect, and this is one of the occasions when I think it might even work in our favour. There's another shot of the farthest side uh, statue alone at uh, ISO 802 which again is pretty good, uh, but the subject being what it is, you can't really get a feel for the grain. Next, I went into the Gajoen Hotel in Meguro and uh, shot one of their pieces of wall art with some people walking along the left. Again, shot at ISO 800. If you zoom in and inspect the image, there is some grain, um, but still you know, a lot more usable than images from probably earlier compact cameras at, at ISO 800, uh, before the, the guys at Nikon started to raise the bar, that is. Next, we have uh, two shots of a wax paper umbrella and some fake autumn leaves, uh, autumn coloured leaves. The first one here is shot at ISO 800 with lots of um, dark to see the limited grain. And the second shot is at ISO 1600, which does show a lot more grain, but still reasonable, I guess. In addition to the grain, we can see that here, you know, the, the higher ISO um, image is definitely a little flatter. The colour of the umbrella is not quite as punchy as in the 800, ISO 800 version. The next shot is a Porsche Cayenne, or Cayenne, or whatever they call them in the lobby of the Arco Tower building uh, next to the Gajoen Hotel. This uh, was a bit of a trip down memory lane for me as I used to work in this building until we moved across town about this time last year. Again at ISO uh, 800, I was trying to get some shots of, with some varied subjects at high ISO to see how useful the high ISOs really are, especially as I was really sort of happy with this, this camera as a carrier around uh, point and shoot in the the lower ISO range. I you know I really wanted to sort of to see how far I could push it. As you'd expect, the light areas uh, in you know the highlights uh, show very little grain, but the you know the darker areas uh, like the painted bodywork does have much more. Depending on what you want to do with your shots, uh, it's definitely usable and you could probably clean this up quite well with Noise Ninja. And I haven't had a play around with that yet, uh, but I, 
I guess that, you know, if you use Noise Ninja or other similar noise reduction applications, you'd probably get a pretty good photo out of this. Almost done with the images. We have a, another ISO 800 um, uh, image to look at quickly now. And this is of an old bar on the back streets on my way home. Again, a fair amount of noise, but very reasonable and almost adding to the aged look of the subject. We then see an image of the Wendy's hamburger shop up near the station and that's shot at ISO 400 with an aperture of f3.2 for 1 40th of a second. And this again, although showing some grain, still has a lot of detail. Uh, you can make out the facial features of the people inside the hamburger shop. So moving away now though from the high ISO images uh, for the last three. I shot some construction in the town on the way into the, the office on uh, two separate mornings. The first two I shot at ISO 100 and the third was at ISO 200. With uh, both of these ISOs, um, they actually do show some grain and you know it, it really sort of puts everything in, into perspective as cramming all of these pixels into such a small sensor has probably caused Canon to have to run some pretty aggressive algorithms to construct the image in the first place. Still, as I say though, for a carry-around camera with the ability to go uh, into full manual mode and uh, you know some pretty nice optics as well, I really don't uh, have much to complain about at all. Well, actually there is one thing. Um, there's this token ISO 3200, which I just wish wasn't there on principle. And I guess if I really wanted to nitpick, um, there, there's the fact that you have to press a button to switch the target of the dial on the back of the camera between shutter speed and aperture control. And then um, a third selection to actually change that you know if you hit the same button it gives you a third option to change the metering mode um this is a little bit of a pain but keeping things in perspective the the fact is that you know it, it's a it's a compact digital and um you know many compact digitals all of this is buried in menus so the fact that you can even get into in there with a dial and one or two button presses to change things without jumping into the menus it's it's pretty good it makes um it's not fast-paced um, sort of, you know, controlling the camera like we're used to with digital SLRs, but, you know, it's still pretty good when you keep things in perspective. There's also, you know, again, the, the knurled um, dials on the top of the camera, the one on the left, if you're looking at the back where the LCD is, the one on the left there to change the, the uh, exposure compensation, and then you've got the two nested ones on the right for the ISO and the shooting modes and they're all sort of there with the dedicated dials and um, on, a, on a camera of this size it's just great. That reminds me too that this uh, little camera also has spot metering which I thought was uh, was pretty cool. The more I think about it the more I realize that most of the controls that I regularly use um, are pretty easy to access even if they aren't sort of always obvious without reading the manual. The controller dial on the back of the camera has like an outer ring that rotates and then a second inner ring which you can use to, you know, use like a, an up, down, right, left um, push sort of action. And uh, then there's um, there's a, a, like a set button in the, the middle of the ring. So it's like a, a three function thing. Um, 
So, oh yeah, the uh, the the button in the middle, the ring in the middle that you can go up, down, right, and left. This is actually for um, you know as you push these things, you got it. You can get different um, functions. Again, that they, they show up on the LCD, uh, but you know basically uh, that's an, an, a good, easy, quick way to get into um, you know some of the function changes. So. You know, for example, if you hit the bottom of this inner ring, uh, that gives you the drive modes. Um, so you can toggle between swing, single shot, continuous, and also con uh, continuous shooting AF, which uh, follows your subject. Subject, and there's um, a longer, a longer timer and a uh, two-second timer mode here, and you can change the um, the length of the timers in the custom functions inside the menu, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, in the middle of this dial, <coughs> excuse me. As I say, there's a there's a function set button, and um, which if you press that when nothing else has been selected, it throws you into a sort of a quick settings menu. In here, you can change the white balance, the exposure bracketing, the flash exposure compensation, and the built-in neutral density filter settings. To change between the various autofocus modes, you need to hit the F frame selection button. And then the AE lock button, which then, you know, I mean, that's, that's not very intuitive at first. You have to read this up in the in the manual. Uh, but once you've got the hang of that, it cycles you through the face detect mode, the AI AF mode, which is uh, it's like basically nine AF frames, which uh, automatically choose which one you want to the camera wants to focus with. Uh, you can uh, lock this, uh, you know, the to one large or small AF frame in the middle of the finder or if you start to sort of shift that around it becomes an active AF frame which you can you can put basically over the subject um, and you know just move it around the, the LCD. You can also set the camera to display an enlarged view of what you've focused on uh, to check that you're actually in focus as well which I find very useful. It's difficult to see if you really are in focus but it's sort of, I don't know exactly how many times it is, but it's like it blows up to, to like two times just in the middle of the uh, of the LCD there. And it's really, really useful to be able to just check that. Uh, all of this, you know, it is a little bit less intuitive than most digital SLRs, but then again, we really shouldn't be comparing them as they're, they're two totally different things. And we should bear in mind that most of these settings are either not available on lesser compact digitals, or buried deep into menus, uh, you know, software menus. There's a lot of other stuff that I haven't covered. I'm not going to go into detail in the various scene modes, as I dare say I'll rarely use them, um, if ever. I also probably won't uh, use the digital or, um, you know, for nothing other than a bit of fun, probably. Um, it's, you know, it's really just not high enough resolution to be of much use artistically. And I guess, you know, I could use this uh, to record a video cast or something like that, as I'd probably reduce the resolution, uh, you know, to keep the file size down. Uh, but I haven't really thought about that. So, you know, no promises there. Um, I'm sure that there's other stuff that I, uh, I either forgot or just haven't come across yet in the first few days of using the G10. But I think I touched on everything that has impressed me. And, you know, the, the, the things that really uh, that didn't, um, but as I say, in, in perspective, uh, it, very, very little things. 
Um, with everything taken into consider consideration, I'm very happy with this little camera, and I'm you know I'm happy that I now have something uh, finally uh, something that can just be slung into my bag or even into my pocket um, and just carry with me everywhere for those times when I really don't uh, want to be carrying around uh, and you know an SLR and a few lenses. And um, there are of course other options, um, you know, in the the compact digital range. Um, and you know, by all means, uh, if you are looking for things, have a good shop around. Um, for me, you know, this I think that this is uh, it, I'm happy with what it is, and for around five hundred dollars, if you are in the uh, the market for a high end digital camera, I can definitely recommend the Canon PowerShot G10. So that's it for today. Once again, just a quick reminder that if you listened to this episode before November the 6th, 2008, please vote for the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast under the education sections at the podcasts award or podcastawards.com website. You can vote every day until November the 6th. Uh, we might not win, but it sure would be nice to give it a try. So if you enjoy this podcast, please help out as much as you can. Anyway, with that, I'll sign off for today and catch up with you again next week. You have a great week, whatever you do. Bye-bye. Photocastnetwork.com, your photography resource in the potosphere. Photocastnetwork.com.